aboard the Fry Bus! You're riding along in our rolling tribute to Coach Hayden Fry, where we're interviewing members of the U of I family while traveling about the Big Ten and beyond. This is an Iowa Hawkeye, not another Hawk like this. I'm here in Iowa, I'm not going any place. If you people in Minnesota could count to 12, you'd have won the game. <laughs> First person I think is a good Lord because I believe in the Lord and I think that he had an awful lot to do with it. Please remain seated and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast at all times. Now here's your host, Matt Reister. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Frybus Podcast again. Today we've got an interview with a friend of mine, R.J. Meyer, who played at Iowa. At the end of Hayden Fry's tenure and at the beginning of Kirk Ferentz's, he brings an interesting perspective in that regard. Because R.J. is a friend of mine and lives locally in Cedar Falls, where I live, we're able to sit down for a little bit longer than our typical interview. And as a result, we meandered into several different topics including at the end, RJ's run for the Cedar Falls School Board this fall. So sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a fun interview. Just a disclaimer, we're still fighting some audio issues. I am not an audio tech. I've got a studio where I do a lot of my podcast recording for other things, and that works well. That's where I'm recording this. I'm sure it sounds great. But when we get in the bus, we've got some obstacles to overcome, so please bear with us. This isn't the worst audio we've ever had. It's better than the Quinn Early and Don Patterson in interviews from FryFest, but we've still got a little ways to go. Hang with us and enjoy the interview. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming back to the Fry Bus Podcast. I got RJ Meyer. Is it Roger? Yes and no. <laughs> it was it was I think it was Roger in the program, right? Roger Meyer, that's right. Yeah, but it's R.J. Meyer's what I've gone by my whole life. So Roger, is, Roger Junior. I'm a J is Junior. Yes. So what's your actual middle name? Lee. Roger Lee Meyer Junior. So it should be R.L. Meyer. No, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no. So the story apparently is my. My mom, you know, obviously in the hospital, giving birth, and a buddy, a buddy of my dad's, I think, comes in and uh, they're talking. Roger, you know, Roger, Roger. My dad's name's Roger, and he's like, "So you're gonna call him RJ, right?" And that, and it stuck <laughs> from so, the time you're in the hospital. From the time I was in the hospital. So is your dad also Roger Lee Meyer? Roger Lee Meyer, senior, senior. But your grandpa's not the nope. Grandpa Ernie. So are you the firstborn? Must be. Yeah. Yep. They always give their name to the firstborn because you don't know if you're gonna have another boy. And so my wife and I have four kids. Our oldest is a boy. Mm-hmm. Roger was not even on the table. <laughs> was that you? Did you take it off the table or did Summer? She, yeah, she, she wasn't a fan, but I, I don't know if I – honestly, I don't know if I'd have done that either because, I mean, it is a little confusing, right? I mean, I get the namesake, yes. you know, pass your name on. Um, was your dad disappointed? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think we ever really talked about it, but mm-hmm. – um, I mean, I'm sure deep down he was hoping he could have a Roger the Third. <laughs> Asher's our oldest son's name, and uh, you know, there's some 
there's some meaning there. I think it means blessed. Mm-hmm. He's one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was an in vitro baby. Asher? So, yeah, he was he was a blessing to us. So there's, some, awesome. there's some meaning there, too. Yeah. Um, which, you know. You know what's funny? Our kids' names are Mason, Jillian, Gentry, and Judah. And I've worked in Christian ministry a large portion of my life. Preach, all this stuff. And uh, so people always think, like, I have some deep meaning for the names of my kids. Like, where did you come up with those names? It's like, ah, we liked how they sounded. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of that's kind of how we were, too. Um, so we've got Asher, Siri, Shay, and then uh, Callan, J- Callan Joshua. Um, and we call him KJ. That's awesome. So, <clears throat> played linebacker for the Iowa Hawkeyes between what year and what year? So, 97 to 01, I was there. Two years under Fry and three years under Frayerns. I think that's a really unique position. This is obviously the Fry bus. You realize you would have ridden in this bus. Do you know that? Yeah. And it, it looks nothing like it did then. Um, you can get a glimpse of what it looked like. The upholstery in the driver's seat, which you can't see from back here, um, was the upholstery in all the chairs. It was just like the regular yep. two chairs, two yep. chairs. I mean, do you remember riding the bus? I do. I mean, we did We did bus to some games. I, my understanding, and maybe you can correct me, my understanding is that you bust to Ames, you bust to Madison, you bust to Evanston, you bust to maybe Champaign if you ever played over there. Um, and somebody said that you... You used to bus. I know you used to bus to Minnesota too, because you, I don't think they do anymore. They though. don't. They yeah. fly now. Yeah. It was so. I was at the Penn State game. You were there two weeks ago, three oh, weeks yeah. ago. That was awesome. Um, Surprised I have a voice actually. Number it was, three it versus. So, it was so loud. It was awesome. Yeah, and uh, I actually didn't go inside. I sold my tickets, and I stayed outside. And we were watching the game from basically the children's hospital on the street. Okay. Like to that screen in the south end zone. And the buses, the Penn State buses pulled up next to the stadium that the team was going to ride back to the airport on. And I went over and talked to the bus drivers. They're drivers from Windstar. That's a company. Yep. And they contract with the away teams to get them to and from the airport. And so this lead bus driver is wearing a Penn State hat. I said, please tell me that's just for show. And he had this Hawkeye bracelet on his wrist. He's like, you kidding me? He's like, of course it's for show. So I was telling him about Uh us having this bus and how the university used to drive. And he knew all the details, but he said they they fly to Minnesota now. I think they do, yeah. Which seems like... Which is crazy because it's not that far, right? No. Do you feel like college kids who are playing football get treated differently than you did? Well, with some of the new rules, it's pretty obvious that they do, right? I mean, like what? Well, they can have sponsors and, you know, they can actually... Name, image, earn, likeness? Yeah, earn money now, which is crazy to me. <laughs> and, you know, I think it is cool, but at the same time, I've kind of always said that's that's kind of like messing with Pandora's box there. I once, agree. Once you open that thing, it's, it's going to be really hard to keep a lid on it. You can so, totally see both sides. <clears throat> um, I remember there's a story I saw it on a 30 for 30 maybe on ESPN you ever watch those a little bit like documentary not, not as much as I stuff. probably would like to but I don't watch that much television to be honest um, there was a I think a 30 for 30 on the Fab Five you remember okay. them at oh, Michigan yeah. yeah when I was in high school I, I actually used to have a was 
it Austin Wheatley, number six jersey? That was Michigan football. Yes. Yeah. I was I was kind of a f- fan of Michigan from because from of that five. Yeah. And I was yeah. Like, I wasn't even a big bas- basketball guy, but I mean they were everywhere, right? And totally. So uh, Chris <clears throat> Weber in this, I believe it was a thirty for thirty on the Fab Five. I might be wrong, but Chris Weber talked about how he walked down the street in Ann Arbor and you go past the bookstore and here's this huge display yeah. of Michigan jerseys with his number and name on it and they're making bank and he's getting nothing. He's like, I could barely buy a pizza, you know, on a, on a weekend for my girlfriend and I. Now, he might have been embellishing that a little bit. I, honestly, the Fab Five doesn't become the Fab Five if they're not getting paid somehow. But that was his take and that's a fair argument for name, image, likeness. But like, I coach high school basketball, 1A, no big deal. If our kids can make money on their own likeness, that's going to drive like individual agendas and trying to drive my stats up. And I want to have the big play of the game. I mean, I think it would undermine the team atmosphere. Coaches really have their hands full with that. Probably a little bit, but just to back up, I mean, I was one of those college kids, oldest six kids, first kid to go to college, grew up on a farm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we never went without, but... I mean, I would grow up in a farmhouse with one bathroom and eight people, and so we didn't have a lot. Right. You know, again, we weren't we weren't without stuff that we needed. Um, but I was one of those kids that, you know, you got your you lived in the dorms the first two years, so that was taken care of. You know, you went over to Slater. The, yeah, Slater Hall. I took a picture um, when I was back for that Penn State game. Was it second and third floor? I started on seventh floor. Um, I think I might have went down to third floor my second year um but yeah there was like you know there was athlete athlete floors yeah and slater hall that's where i met randy peterson oh yeah who played basketball at iowa that's how you met summer that's how i met my wife summer um because they both went to cedar falls high school played basketball together have no you know they've known each other since they were little Mm -hmm. um but yeah i have some fond memories of, of slater hall but to my point is we didn't I was in the dorms the first two years, so I didn't have to worry about food and stuff. But yeah, when you get, you know, your apartment and you have to pay, to pay rent, you have to pay rent, you know, you can't have a job really. You can't really have a job because you can only earn, I don't know, it was like two, three thousand bucks a year or something. It wasn't very much. And I always had a summer job too. Um, but back home or in Iowa City? In Iowa City, I stayed there. What'd you do? Um, so I did an internship for the University of Iowa Community Credit Union, mm-hmm. Green State now, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of sad, but I get I get why they did it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I did that summer internship. I I was basically a kid. They kind of you know put in a cubicle and said, "Hey, here's all these ATM." Um, this, this ATM money, mm-hmm. you have to count these by hand and invalidate ATM uh, deposits. So you just count cash all day. I was just count cash, which I mean was kind of cool, and I got to meet some good people. I, you know, I still have uh, still have some friends that that I used to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool. And then I did I did a youth leadership deal for a couple couple summers. Um, Mikel Brown, if you remember him, oh yeah, he and I he and I did that for a couple of summers, um, and essentially it was working with kind of at kids. Oh, yeah. In Iowa yeah. City? Um, Sea Rapids primarily, I think, is where we were. We might have won, did one summer in, in Iowa City, too. But, I mean, that was cool, working with kids. And then my last my <coughs> last summer, I did the – I was the uh, foundation 
intern. Oh, so yeah. I got to go around to the iClubs and help set up. And was that co- fun? That was my favorite one. Really? Because uh, I got to meet a bunch of boosters. and Yeah. Um, one of my favorite stories of that summer was, and you can appreciate this because you know Tom Brands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Traveling with him must have been a riot. I'm, so I, I've got two <laughs> stories about him. Um, <laughs> the one, we were flying up to Sioux City to do an iClub, and we were in like one of these little seven-seater planes. Mm-hmm. You know, not big. I'm sitting like co-pilot next to the pilot, um, way up in the front of the plane, but Tom Brands is in the back, and he's got like a button-down shirt on. Did for a while. I mean, this guy, he didn't like to fly. <laughs> Eventually, he like started unbuttoning his shirt. Like I'm, I'm, I'm suffocating here. He was pacing like a like a cage. Pacing in the plane, kind of. Yeah, he just. Which I mean, you know his personality. Oh god. Um, so you can imagine when you get that guy kind of caged up. Um, so that was one story. The other one was actually right here at Sunnyside uh, Golf Course. I I might have been at that. <laughs> what happened? So there's some guys talk. He's up there giving his talk, giving his speech, right? There's some guys talking at a table in the back. And, I mean, they weren't being disruptive. And these are donors, by, mind you, right? Yeah. So they're talking in the back. He, like, hits the podium and basically calls out these guys in the middle of his talk, like, hey, you guys paid money to, to come listen to me talk. Why don't you listen? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, when you guys are done there, I'll, I'll start up again. So uh, Tom Brands, that dude is, he's intense. I could listen to Tom Brands interviews all day long. I mean, literally, sometimes I'll just get on YouTube and Google Tom Brands and just listen to his interviews. How about, how about the Penn State game? Oh, I, I credit Tom Brands for us winning the game. So people, I will link that on the show notes because if you didn't see what Tom Brands said, it was uh, like the beginning of the fourth quarter. No, no, it was in the third quarter. Wait, yeah, like, it was. First of all, it was awesome because he called out Penn State Wrestling. Remember, he said, we'll, we'll go anytime, yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. State college, whatever. And, of course, they've got this rivalry. Yeah. Iowa just won the national championship in wrestling. And then and then he goes, Hawkeye football, we need a third quarter and we need a fourth quarter. And, I mean. But then my favorite part was when he took the microphone and was like, I'll take it from here from the interviewer. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'll take the interview from here. He basically just kind of shut her down. I which, don't know if I was at the one at Sunny. I've been to a Sunnyside iClub meeting. So that and I don't know if it was would have been like 2000-ish. All I know is I was at one where Brands was there and Ferris was there. Was Ferris at yours? I th- yeah, I think it would have been at Ferris. Yeah. So because they don't bring they don't bring all of them. They bring like a couple of the men's and a couple of the women's. I don't know if Brands was the head coach at the time. No, he wasn't. Which I, I think he was an assistant. He which which it was like oh we're gonna hear from the assistant coach this is stupid and and Kirk Ferentz is there and so you're like everyone wants to to hear Kirk Ferentz. I'm telling you what I remember being at the table listening. To Tom Brands being like, I'd much rather listen to this guy than anyone else in the room. I mean, it's awesome. Those yeah. wrestlers are a little nuts. Yeah, anyway. they are. Yeah. Uh, back to Slater Hall. So I went to you and I. I only I'm a Hawkeye fan because my mom and dad had season tickets through my aunt who worked at the university, and uh, so I grew up on Saturdays, you know, driving down from Cedar Falls to the stadium and going to games or staying outside. Um, so everyone always thinks I graduated from Iowa. I graduated from you and I, uh, but my buddy Nate Wheaton, who I went to high school okay. with, who did 
put up most of the money for this bus. And we're kind of partners in this bus together. He's a football coach in Fairfield, owns some businesses down there. He was an RA in Slater Hall in 94 in 95 or somewhere around there. And he has a great story. Eventually, Nate and I are going to sit down on the podcast and tell the story of how the Fry Bus became the Fry Bus. We haven't done that yet. But he's got a story, something about Hayden Fry coming, Hayden Fry and one other coach coming up to his room at the beginning of the year as the RA and just introducing himself and saying, hey, if you have any problem with these guys, you know, let me know. And basically kind of insinuating, call us first. <laughs> you know, like, instead of calling the Iowa City Police, yeah. let's call the coaches first so we can kind of, does that sound about right? <clears throat> I mean, I wasn't one of the kids that had trouble. Yeah, had trouble. But, um, yeah, Coach Coach Fry was, he was, a, he was very much a player's coach. What do you mean by that? Like he could talk to players. Like he he was like almost like a friend. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, which is different than Coach Ferentz, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. Yeah. So Coach Coach Fry put a lot on his assistant coaches, and I think that's why he had such great assistant coaches over the years. He expected that the assistant coaches would do their job, keep the kids in line. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, it was it's almost like it was the assistant coach's fault if something went wrong with a kid. Um, it's funny because when I was at Fry Fest, we were invited to have the bus at Fry Fest. You know Fry Fest? Yep. The thing right before the yep. season starts. <clears throat> and they... The focus of Fry Fest this year was actually Hayden Fry. I mean, okay. sounds like it always would be, but usually they have a theme like the trophy, sure. the rivalries, sure. the coaching tree, whatever. But since this is the first one since he passed away. And so I listened to a few different panels talk about Coach Fry. And one of the things that came up over and over was Fry would basically his assistant coaches were the bad cops. With the players. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so that, he, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So he would get after him. And I mean, like, if you don't get this straightened out, assistant coach, he would chew him out. next in the news. He would chew him out in practice. Like, <laughs> that's that's what they said. And then so they go rip you guys. But then Hayden could kind of fly above all that yeah. and be your friend. Yeah. Which yeah. that's an interesting so way to do there, it. There was some of that. And I think, not to take anything away from the assistant coaches under Fry when I was there, but it maybe some of was Coach Fry was kind of getting old, had some health challenges. Maybe he just wasn't able to stay on top of things. Uh, but I think that transition from, from Fry to Ferentz, the thing we really needed and what Ferentz brought along with Coach Doyle and, you know, the rest of the staff that came in uh, is just a real sense of discipline. Yeah. Like, like discipline down to the player. Um, that was slipping a little bit, you think? I think so. Um, just, and I mentioned Chris Doyle. Uh, I know there's been some stuff in the news over the last, you know, year, two years, whatever. I think he really is one of the catalysts that helped kind of turn that program around. For sure. Um when you know when I was when I was younger and some of the older upperclassmen under Fry would come in the weight room, some guys would maybe walk in, do three sets of curls, and that was their workout. I mean, I know it sounds crazy. Yeah. And this was, you know, 20, 20, 25 years ago. So lots changed as far as strength and conditioning, nutrition, all that stuff. Yep. Um but when Doyle came in, it was like, here's the program. Your final heavy sets, you're going to have a coach 
watch you to make sure you do it right. Yep. And make sure you do it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to check out, we're going to sign off on this thing. Um, the discipline. It was discipline. And you remember the Break the Rock slogan, right? Oh, yeah. Explain people who don't. So, Coach Coach Doyle's thing was kind of a mantra of break the rock. And it goes back to, you know, back in the stone cutter days when, you, you know, you'd start with a big old rock and you're trying to make uh, uh, stones to make a, a fence or whatever or a, or a building. Literally, breaking the rock means... You're going to, as a stone cutter, you're going to have to pound on that rock, pound on that rock, pound on the rock. Seems like you're not doing anything. But all of a sudden, you know, the thousandth blow or whatever, you put a little crack in the rock and then you just keep pounding and eventually you break the rock. You know, mm-hmm. you split it. It's it's one of the, it's the idea of constant discipline, constant improvement. Eventually, if you keep with it, you're going to get to the point where you break the rock. So that was all. I mean, I've still got T-shirts. Probably, they've got probably should in the locker room still. Probably, break the rock. yeah. There was a huge break the rock in the in, yeah. the in the weight room. And speaking of the weight room, how how awesome is the new facility? Oh man! Versus what we had. And I thought we had awesome facilities. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting that you bring up Doyle. I, I've said the same thing. Like the, the whole discipline thing. I remember uh, taking a tour through the locker room with Butkers when Ike was at Iowa. And they would have a sign on different guys' lockers on any given day that, like, today you're on the shake list. And the shake is like this crazy protein shake. I don't know how many calories they're piping into these guys. But I guess this shake is just god-awful. I mean, it tastes like absolute crap. I wonder if they were the ghost. They were called ghost shakes. Gatorade made them back in the day. Well, it was something like you're on, you're on the shake list. And so you had this notice on your locker. And I was asking somebody what that was about. And they said, well, that means that this player needs to go drink this like 8 million calorie shake today. It tastes like absolute crap. No one wants to do it. And what they had to do is they had a report to like the, the trainer's office and drink it in front of them. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, because it does, it we're not going to, we're not going to just honor system this stuff. We're going to hold people accountable. And, and what I think is at a place like Iowa, I mean, no offense to Iowa. I love Iowa, but it's not Michigan. It's not Alabama. It's not Florida state. It's not USC. And so with the talent that we have access to, you've got to do this other stuff. Yeah way better than everyone else if you're going to compete, right? Uh, 100%. Do you, are you offended by that, by the way? No. No, I mean, again, I grew up on a farm where <laughs> you did what you need to do, right? Or Yeah. And I grew up on a livestock farm, so you had to do it or, I mean, literally animals died. So right. it's, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, I, in, frankly, I think, you know, again, I've got four kids. I think as far as like being disciplined and being um, consistent in your actions as as a human, I think is is a good thing. Well, and I, what I, one of the things I say to my kids is like the competition is so bad right now. You know, when when our kids are actually in the real world adults, the bar is pretty low. I mean, it's not going to take much for them to be real successful because all these kids have been mammy pammied and participation trophied and self-esteemed and you know what to, I mean? To a, to a certain extent. And I mean, that's not the real world, right? I mean, when you oh, get the out the world in, don't play like that. Yeah. When you get out in the real world, uh, when you get to big 10 football, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I love Iowa too, but we're not Michigan. We're not Ohio State. As much as I would love that, mm-hmm. we're not. We got to work a little harder. We got to pay attention to the detail details. And, and really, I think that's the one thing Kirk Ferentz does is he pays attention to the details. Mm. Um, he has a game plan. And, you know, we're going to go on the game plan. I know I know, fans kind of rag on him sometimes um, in, in the offensive coordinator in particular. Hey, why are you guys being so, so boring, so vanilla? That's the kind of football we play. And, you know, a lot of other teams don't do that. Mm-hmm. So they're not necessarily used to that right. style of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be more so in the Big Ten. They do still a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I, what was it? The Holiday Bowl when we played USC a couple oh, years just ago. <laughs> Playing Big Ten football. Just here. here's who we are. And... Try to stay up with us, you know. Try, try to, try to man up, man up with us. That was fun. Uh, let's go all the way back. So, did you play? Obviously, probably in a small school, multiple sports. Yeah, yeah. What, what I, I went to Central Line High School in Rock Rapids, Iowa, way up in the northwest corner. Mm-hmm. In fact, Lavar Woods. Mm-hmm. I went to Central Lion. He went to West Lion. So we oh. were we were arch rivals in high school. I've known I've known Lavar for years. He's uh, a special teams coach now, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's been a coach at Iowa. Well, probably, I don't know, half dozen years. You stay in touch with them pretty close? Yeah, we, we still communicate occasionally. We'll run into each other. We've got boys that are similar age. We'll run into each other at basketball tournaments or something. Mm-hmm. Um, great dude, by the way. Great coach. Um, I mean, honestly, I would I would love – I know Kirk's probably got a few years left, but I would love LeVar to put his name in the, mm-hmm. in the ring. Cool. Um, cool. When we have kind of the next transition. He's just a great guy. Um Midwest, you know, yep. he's got the same uh, kind of belief system. I think that hard work gets you. I mean, he played in the NFL for what seven years, maybe, right? Um, and it was probably just sheer determination yeah. and consistency, work ethic, discipline, yeah, work ethic, yeah. work ethic. He's a great dude. Um, cool. But to go go back to high school, yeah, I went to Central Line High School, which actually just to get a plug in for them, they went undefeated until the championship game last year and lost in the championship. Do they play eight man or are they still playing? They like are two A, two A, two A. I didn't yeah. think there was anybody living up there in Lyon County. So, so it's, in football, it's Central Lion, George Little Rock. They're combined. Oh, okay. Um, they have been since since I played high school football. Just for football, they're combined. Got it. I think they do maybe girls softball combined too. Okay. Maybe cross country. So you played football there. I what did, else? I did football. I did basketball. I I wrestled until eighth grade. What did you play? Bat? What, what, what position? I was a, I was a center. <laughs> you know, a six three center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was really good at boxing people out. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wasn't that skilled? Uh, but I I wrestled until eighth grade. I probably should have gone. Out for wrestling in high school, uh-huh. um, but I was like two ten my freshman year, and I knew I was going to be a football guy. Yeah, well, it's either one eighty nine or heavyweight back then. They didn't have that two fifteen right. class. Right, if they would have had that two fifteen weight class, I'm sure I probably would have gone out for wrestling. So, when did you start showing up on Iowa's radar? When did you start hearing from them? <sighs> I told you before this interview, certain stuff I didn't, I don't probably remember. Honestly, I don't know when it was. It was not as early as I think kids are getting recruited now. Yeah. Uh, it's, you, it's crazy early now how early kids are getting. Do you remember, like, who, did, did you just get a letter first? Did you get a phone call? Did you get uh, yeah, an assistant I mean, coach? You get, you get some letters. In, and that's the other thing. My 
my junior year of high school was my head coach's first year coaching. So he kind of hadn't really been through that process with, mm-hmm. with any kids or many kids. Um, so he started getting contacted a little bit. Coach Hendrickson, you remember that name, right? Yeah, Mark Hendrickson. Yeah. He Tight end coach, right? He was a running backs coach at the time, I think. Okay, maybe he, I'm wrong. He uh, he was kind of the, the guy on the staff that recruited my area. Okay. So he'd come up, and, you know, he kind of already knew the lay of the land with LeVar being there. Yeah. Kyle Vandenbosch was... Are you and, La- are you and Lamar the same age? Uh, he's a year ahead of me. Okay. But I'm the same age as Kyle Vandenbosch. Who went to Nebraska. Who went to Nebraska, played in the NFL for a lot, a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, we were kind of getting recruited at the same time. Mm-hmm. And Hendrickson came up. Eventually, Coach Bielema got got involved too because, because because he was the linebackers coach and I was I was getting recruited as linebacker. Frankly, I I thought I mean I hate to say this. I really hate to say this, but I think Iowa State recruited me harder. Paul Rhodes was the was the oh, coach yeah. that recruited my area. He was so proud. I, and you I, remember when Rhodes always used to say, so proud. Well, and, I, and Frank, I mean, I, I really did love that guy. Yeah. Uh, he did a great job in recruiting. I felt really bad when I... But I mean, it's Iowa State. But it was Iowa State. <laughs> and, and, and back then... I got I, you to say it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a younger brother that graduated there from, uh, from Iowa State in aerospace engineering. I kind of give him a pass because they don't have that at Iowa. That's right. He's literally to be honest with you, I probably shouldn't say this. I'm a Hawkeye fan. I've got some major question marks about the University of Iowa. I mean, just in terms of, I mean, just off the rails in, in some categories that we won't get into here. But I'm a Hawkeye through and through, so we'll leave it at that. Um, so... You said at some point Hayden came to Pizza Ranch. Does Hayden come like just close the deal? Did he come just, like, well, one I, time or did he come I, more he than came, once? He came the one time. I think I'll have to try to see if I can find an old picture. My sister was going through some stuff that my mom had given her and she found this old picture uh, of my mom, my dad, myself, and Coach Fry at the Pizza Ranch and I was, or in, in Rock Rapids. And So, yeah, I think I had already committed when when Fry made the, the trip. Mm-hmm. To, to Rock Rapids, um, and you know, I mean, it was a big deal, right? Oh yeah, uh, heck, small yeah. small town, Coach Fry, legendary Coach Fry. I mean, we didn't have anything really other than the Pizza Ranch, <laughs> uh, so that was kind of where kind of where we had the deal. Uh, but yeah, it was, was that like the signing thing or whatever? Or? It was not the official signing. It was just kind of a you know a <laughs> celebration that I had accepted an offer. Yeah, type of so thing. at at Central Line, Central Line, Central Line. I mean, were you like the male athlete of the year involved in everything or were there other guys? So, yeah, I, I did football, basketball. I ran track and uh, did baseball till my sophomore year. I was I was injured during baseball my junior year. And then my senior year, I'm like, I'm going to Iowa. I'm not going to play baseball and risk getting hurt. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I did I did four sports. Did you redshirt? I did redshirt at Iowa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, you get down to Iowa. Um, when you're getting recruited, you're thinking just like everybody else – I mean, Hayden's days are numbered as a head coach. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> you kind of knew that going in, but and I think maybe we even asked that, hey, how, you know, what what do you think? How long do you think you're going to be here? And I think at the time he really was like, I'm going to be here for a few more years. Mm-hmm. Ended up being two years, and he, you know, he had some yeah, health, cancer. Yeah, he had some health issues and stuff. Um, and then that I remember that last year of. Coach Fry's 
tenure, we lost that last game up in Minnesota. At Minnesota. I was at oh, that game. It was it was, it was sad. It was heartbreaking. Uh, <laughs> You'd love to send a guy out like that on a, on a better. You note. really would, um, but. I, you know, I think it was time. I lo- again, I love Coach Fry. Did obviously did great things for the University of Iowa. Put him on the map, right? I mean, Fry Bus. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that says everything right there. Yeah. But it it was time, and in Coach Ferentz was was the answer that we really needed. I think uh, again, it took a couple of years. What blew my mind? Okay, so being a Hawk fan, we went through a basketball coach transition at the same time. Yeah, yeah. They got. Tom Davis. Yep. And I remember I'm I'm someone would have to check me on this, but I'm pretty sure this is how it played out. That they hired Ferentz first before Alford. Maybe. And I and I think we Bob Bowlesby was the athletic director. Was, yeah. And I remember along with a ton of Hawk fans, because Bob Stoops was in the mix. Yep. And I remember everyone being like, how did we not get Bob Stoops? And who's this Ferentz guy? We've never heard of him. And I was a little bit like that. Um, and then Bowlesby hired Alford. And Alford is this golden boy from Indiana. And you're like, oh, Stoops or Bowlesby just saved his job yeah. because he didn't crap the basketball decision down his leg like the football decision. Well, how wrong were we? Because, I mean, I will say this, Alford ended up being a complete joke at Iowa. He won, what, one or two Big Ten championships. The tournament. But, but and Ferentz, who was this no-name, yeah. and especially in comparison to Stoops, were like, why do we hire this guy? I mean... How much do you love Kurt Ferentz? I'd take a bullet for the guy. We're going to have a Ferentz bus someday. I mean, 100%. 100%. I mean, <laughs> Fry and Ferentz, I mean, just think about this. What, 43 years it's been? I two had, coaches. I just had two coaches. And I think I think Ferentz has a few more years left. I hope so. I really do. Um, and, and the thing is, is I think about transitioning to whoever's next after Ferentz. I don't know how you pull this off, but I hope you do the same thing. Because I think – in at Iowa to the fans like the loyalty yeah matters yeah that, that's and not just loyalty but like gosh James Franklin I mean you, you want to have someone with a good reputation you don't want some hothead idiot out there you know spouting off all the time looking like an idiot Ferentz and Fry both get A pluses in class <clears throat> they get A pluses in loyalty and we need to do that again here in the next few years, and I don't well, know how. And something that's not talked about a lot, I think in particular with Coach Ferentz, is he's he's a family guy. He's a family man. Um, his wife is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's done great things for the, the children's hospital. Mm-hmm. But he had, I think he what, had six kids? Yeah, and, five or six kids. And, and a bunch of his boys played at Iowa. Um, so he he is one to kind of keep it in the family, but also he is a family guy. Like he gets that Yeah. the the environment at Iowa needs to kind of be that tight-knit, yep. small town, family, um, family feeling. And he's just so understated and modest and you're not going to see him grinding on a girl no in a restaurant that's yeah. named after him <laughs> urban <Yeah>. meyer <laughs> you know i mean there's so much drama that we've avoided and i gotta believe that that plays very well to a certain group of parents whose kids are considering yeah. who to go yeah. play football for yeah right yeah. i mean you look at you mentioned butkers earlier i remember uh so my wife and i 
summer and I just had moved back to Cedar Falls. Uh, I don't know how long we had been here, but uh, Tim and Chris. Yeah. They were getting, he was, he was getting, Ike was getting recruited by Iowa. It was kind of late. Um, but they're like, hey, they, they reached out to us and said, hey, you know, would you guys come have dinner with us? Kind of mm-hmm. talk about your experience. Um, so we went out to their place, had a, had a good pork chop dinner. Um, my wife doesn't eat pork chops, but I think they probably made, made chicken for her or something. <laughs> but I remember, I remember uh, you know, them asking questions about, like, the family. Yeah. Because um, college is, like... It's something you want to make sure your kids kind of know some of the temptations and all that stuff oh, yeah. that are at college. And I think they wanted to make sure that if he went to Iowa, he was going to – they were going to take care of him. Yeah. And, and I think having that dinner – they felt better about hey you know there's there's That's good great. there's good people there but the other thing about that dinner i remember literally so barn happy where they live yeah. pulling out on the union road to to head back home <laughs> i think as we're pulling out of that driveway i i turned to summer and i said he's going to iowa well i might have said he's i i think how i said it, i said if he if he goes to iowa that kid's not playing tight end <laughs> yeah. i said i think i said he's he's going to be a he's going to be a left tackle uh and the, the, you just awesome. knew because the kid, he had a frame just like those Iowa tight ends, a uh, gallery. You know, I, I played yeah. gallery at Iowa. Yep. Same type of thing. I mean, I think. Big frame, hang a ton of meat I on I think it. when he came in, he was like 6'4", 210, 215 or something. I Robert remember, Gallery. Yeah. I remember yeah. him playing tight end in the spring game. I'm, you know, guarding him cover two down the middle. Uh, and then he's the, what, the second pick in the draft as a as an offensive tackle. And uh, massive man. Yeah. So, I want to keep talking about Butkers a second, but before that, I need to put a plug in for a podcast interview that I did with a different podcast that I host. It's called the CC Podcast. Actually, there's going to be an advertisement in the middle of this interview about that. We've got a great interview with Ike Butker and his dad, Tim, about how he ended up at Iowa. And so I would just point people to that. It'll be in the show notes. And while RJ has brought up the Butkers and talked a little bit about that, that gives you another kind of level of insight into that process. And that's kind of cool. So, Another thing I want to bring up, which fits in really well right here, is um, we were at Ike Butker's wedding. Yeah. And Brian Ferentz was there. I don't know if you remember this, but um, Brian was being, like, pestered by this old guy who was just, like, just monopolizing his time, like, sat at his table. And I was – I mean, everyone knew Brian Ferentz was there, along with all these other Iowa guys, Kittle, Jewel, sure. whatever. And I'm the Iowa fan who finally has grown up a little bit, like <laughs> – like 10 years ago, I'd have been running around, like getting pictures taken. I was cool. I laid back. And um, and you came over to me and you're like, man, Brian Ferentz is getting killed by this guy right now. He's like, let me take you over there and introduce you to him just to like interrupt the conversation. And so we did that. And then we ended up standing there and talking to him for 30 minutes. And I felt stupid because I was trying not to be that guy. But, but and I, I said, coach, I, I just, I just wanted to help RJ get you away from this other guy. I didn't want to take up. He's like, no, he said, I'd rather, we stood back by the yeah. drink table and talked. And one of the things that I remember from that conversation is you telling, and you were just trying to facilitate Brian not getting just absolutely yeah. mobbed by people. And so it's kind of like we're back in this corner and it kind of felt like a safe place for him to whatever. So, but you said you, you kind of launched into a conversation about the Iowa way. And, um, and we've, we've touched on this a little bit, but how Iowa 
can compete with the Ohio States and the Michigans being Iowa. And and it takes a certain philosophy of the kind of kid to get. And and these guys see stuff in players, potential players, that no one sees. Like a Nike Butker. Yep. I mean, they, they recruit him as a tight end. Yep. Because that was the easiest way in. Or Robert Gallery. Or whatever. Um, but these guys develop players who aren't on anyone else's radar. I mean, how many walk-ons have been at Iowa who've gone to the NFL? A bunch. <clears throat> a bunch. Um, one that really comes to mind, actually a couple. One of them is a scholarship player, so uh, Bob Sanders. Yeah. I got to know Bob. We played together at Iowa. Um, you know, he came in. He really wasn't that highly recruited, uh, but he ended up turning out to be an amazing player. I mean, the guy was – I call him – I say he's kind of like a cat. You know how they say you can drop a cat from, you know, six feet off the floor and they always land on your feet? Mm-hmm. That dude just always landed on his feet. <laughs> and, and he brought he brought the wood. So fun to that watch. That guy. Um, and he's, just, he's a great dude. He's just a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other guy that comes to mind – and I feel kind of silly saying this because looking back, you're like, how did you ever think that? But Dallas Clark, mm-hmm. I remember. So he came in as a linebacker. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. I came don't. In, came no. in as a linebacker. <clears throat> and I remember one day. kind of Was he was he recruited by Ferentz or Fry? So that would have been. He was there in 02. That would have been Ferentz. Yeah. I okay. Think, I think that would have been Ferentz because I think he went somewhere else maybe for a semester or something. Yeah. Um, but he, he came in as a walk-on linebacker and I remember in the locker room Coach Bilma introducing you know walking me up hey you know this is this is Dallas he's gonna walk on that linebacker here and I remember thinking in my head again this is silly thinking back hindsight but how is this guy gonna play linebacker at Iowa because um, he was probably what six three at the time, maybe two hundred. Mm-hmm. He was probably one of those guys who would have had to drink the shakes, right? Yeah, because <laughs> he he was not that big, and and then he had some injuries right away. And I'm like, man, this guy's kind of getting beat up. But then they move him to tight end. Boom, find the right spot for the for the right guy. Develop him. He was super strong. Great hands. He was disciplined. Great hands. Um, he had good speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he and I, I remember tight ends and linebackers used to run the, the cross fields and, and we would compete at that. Um, so, you know, we were we were always pushing each other too, but Dallas is probably the, the prototypical kind of player you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Find somebody who maybe is under, under-recruited, mm-hmm. uh, who's just a great kid, mm-hmm. who has good work ethic, mm-hmm. uh, solid fundamentals. And you know, just just turn it, turn it, turn it, turn them into uh, a, literally an All Pro player in the NFL. Which I I refer to. I'm a big Larry Bird fan. You're mm-hmm. probably too young. Do you remember? Oh, Larry? I remember the Bird Man. So Larry Bird, I think, is the greatest NBA player in terms of what he did with what he naturally had. Probably. I mean, he didn't have a lot. The guy was slow. He couldn't jump, but he worked his butt off. Yeah. And he became Larry Bird, one of the greatest NBA players of all time. I'm not saying he's the greatest of all time. Sure. I'm saying with with what he had, I think I was that. I I mean, show me another program in in college football that does more with – with the raw material they're given. You know what I mean? I th- I think there's probably something to be said about that. Uh, when we were talking to Brian that day at Butker's wedding, um, 
he mentioned Josie Jewell. Josie Jewell is another guy who was yeah. overlooked. Yeah. And and then we started. I, I remember somebody asked, like, so what are you looking at? I mean, because how do you find, like, how do you know that Josie Jewell is going to become Josie Jewell and you don't pick some <laughs> schmo? And he he looked around the room and he pointed, and I don't know who this kid was, but he pointed at some kid that looked like he's in seventh or eighth grade. And he said to us, he goes, like that kid right over there. He said, if that kid is internally motivated, if he has a good attitude, and if he's got somewhat athletic skills, not even like off the charts athletic skills, we could turn him in to a player at Iowa. It's part of the attitude, the want to, the work ethic. That's amazing to me. Another guy I played with, he was a freshman, I think, when I was a senior. So we, we didn't you know, play a lot together on the field, but Chad Greenway. Yeah. <laughs> How much of a find was he for Iowa? Like Parkston, South Dakota or something. Mount Vernon, South Dakota. I mean, yeah. some small farming community in the middle of South Dakota. Yeah. Um, and I think they actually, I think they kind of might have stumbled upon him because Jared Reiner, remember Reiner? Yeah. Was getting recruited by Iowa in basketball. And oh, they ended up playing yeah. each other in basketball. This is some of the, the lore. I don't know if it's true or whatever. But somebody happened upon him and like Chad was just, I don't know if he was like eating Reiner's, you know, for, yeah. for lunch or whatever during the game. But I think he played him really tough. And they're like, man, this kid, this kid needs to get a look. Um, Ike's story. I mean, again, people need to go listen to that podcast. Ike's story is a little bit like that. They kind of they stumbled on Ike. Yeah. And now he's playing the NFL. I know. Do, do you feel like you to a degree or that? Just a guy who who else were you recruited by? I mean, I got I Iowa got, State. I, Iowa State again. I didn't know what I didn't know back then. Like, yeah, I did have an offer to take take a visit to to Tennessee at the time. Cool, but they wanted me to play fullback, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, I I didn't want to play fullback. Did you take the visit? I did not, and that's the thing. Like, I only took two visits. You could have. I could have taken. You get five, right? You get five. Yeah, five officials. Um, and I was a pretty decent fullback in high school. I, I my I think my. Uh, my best game ever. I had over 300 yards and like five touchdowns as a, as a running back. <laughs> as a fullback. Um, so, I mean, I was decent, but I, I kind of had my mind made up. I want to play linebacker. Looking back, you know, maybe I should have played even like tight end, I think. I, of course, my wife would say you couldn't play tight end because you got terrible hands. <laughs> I probably could have I probably could have worked on that skill a little bit. Yeah. But no, uh, linebacker was, was kind of what I wanted to do. So that I only took those two trips, though, those two recruiting visits. And frankly, kind of going back to our, our prior discussion about just the atmosphere, I think one thing I was really good at, at least in my experience, they're, they're really good at matching up incoming recruits with current players oh, that are going to kind of mentor them. Kind of mentor, <laughs> mesh. I don't know if you remember the name Skip Miller. No. He was a defensive end. I think he's from – he ended up transferring, I think, when, when Ferentz got the job. But he was a super good dude. Like – when I went on my trip to Iowa State, it was – I had – I don't remember the guy's name. He was a fullback from New Jersey. At Iowa State. At Iowa State. And we went to like a frat party. I'm like, I'm a kid from small town Iowa. I don't – I just not my thing. I didn't feel like I, I fit in. It didn't, it didn't mesh. But then when I went to Iowa, it was Skip Miller and I, who's another, you know – 
small town guy from Iowa. <laughs> we literally kind of walked around the Ped Mall, went to Ponchero's and got a burrito. Which would have been cool. And I think we rode the CAN bus. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been cool, though. It, it, you don't it, feel like you're a fish out of water. It was perfect for me. And then, I mean, Aaron Cam, and everyone knows that name too, right? When he and his his now wife came to visit Iowa, they paired. I think they paired him up initially with Matt Stockdale, who's another small town Iowa guy. Mm-hmm. But I remember meeting those Aaron and Lindy at uh, Airliner for Dollar Slices on a Sunday morning, talking to them. Uh, I think my wife came too. Uh-huh. You know, we were dating at the time. That's cool. So. I think that's something Coach Ferentz and his staff are really good at too, and Coach Fry at the time, just matching up those incoming recruits with, with the right guy, existing player or current players that just kind of mesh. That's good. Uh, that's important too because your first huge, impression, huge. Like I, I, I kind of had my mind made up going to Iowa that I was going to Iowa State. Wow, because they recruited me harder. Uh, and Coach McCarney, I mean, he's an Iowa guy too, right? Like, right. Um, He's he, on the side of the bus. Yeah, he he was. <clears throat> they were recruiting me hard, and I I I felt really bad saying, "Hey, I'm going to Iowa." Yeah. Um. Um. So the recruiting, and like when you had to tell Iowa State, what's that? What's that like? Like you're telling a girl who asks you, "Oh no, kind of." Well, and it, 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 it was co- and it was Coach Rhodes too, who I had kind of developed this yeah. relationship with. I I did. I felt I felt really bad, but. It's hard when you're sitting in Coach Fry's office and he said, yeah. hey, I want you to come play for me. Yeah. Um, to say no. We'll be right back with more Frybus podcast. But first. The Frybus is currently accepting inquiries for episode sponsors and advertisements. If your business or someone you know is interested, email youngsters at haydenfrybus.com. Here's a sample ad from the CC Podcast, also hosted by Matt Reister, which has generously lent the podcast equipment to the Frybus for our first few interviews. Hi, I'm Terry, one of the voices on the CC Podcasts. I want to invite you to check out our free content at ccpodcasts.com. We are a Christian ministry with three different podcasts created specifically to bless you. Even if you're not into the Christian thing, you might want to check out one or all of these three podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Conversations, where we interview inspiring Christians with interesting stories, including former Hawkeye and current NFL football player Ike Budker, along with his dad, Tim, who is one of our radio preachers about Ike's journey to the pros. Second, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions. It's a six to eight minute daily devotional from the Bible that we think you'll learn and grow from. Third, the CC Broadcast is a podcast that archives our weekly 30 minute radio broadcast. It's been on the air for over 85 years, one of America's longest lasting radio preaching ministries. These podcasts are all free and can be found on our website, ccpodcasts.com. That's ccpodcasts.com or on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. Have a great day and go Hawkeyes. And now more from the Fry Buzz podcast. What are some memories you have of Coach Fry? Just personal interactions. Maybe it's from that pizza ranch. Maybe it's like coaching moments at halftime on the sideline, whatever. <clears throat> so he was really, I mean, he was really quick-witted. I remember one day uh, in practice, at the end of practice, <laughs> he, uh, we, we were kind of walking off the field together. <clears throat> and, uh, oh, how did this go? 
anyway, he had kind of heard, I think probably from Bjorn or something that, that I had, I was dating Summer at the time and he was kind of, kind of giving me some, some barbs about, it. I don't remember exact, if Summer was here, she would be able to tell you exactly what he said. Uh, but it was like super quick witted. And at the time I didn't really, I'll have to get, how did he know you were dating Summer? I mean, the coaches just know this stuff. Apparently I'm, I'm guessing Bjorn probably knew. Um, oh, I remember what it was. He said something to the effect of, uh, you know, I I hear you're in love or something like that. Or maybe I was the quick one because I, I said something to the effect of, oh, yeah, coach, I love football. <laughs> so, But, again, to, to the points about Fry and Ferentz, family, all that, like he knew. Like I didn't tell the guy I had a, I had a girlfriend. Um, and so I, I think that whole family mentality, it's super important at a place like Iowa in particular. Mm-hmm. Because they gotta, they have to work a little harder. Mm-hmm. You were at Iowa, Hayden's last season. I think he was like three and eight. Yeah, that we won three games, and then Ferentz's first season was one and eleven. Yeah, and Ferentz then three and eight. Yeah, so we won seven games my first three years playing, and then you went to. The, the Alamo Bowl, the Al- which which must have been a huge Texas Tech. It was like it's it was, like it you guys awesome. have turned the corner. Yeah, and and I mean those are rough three years for Hawkeye football. Yeah, but the transition, the uh, when when Fry had cancer, I mean the stories have come out now that they were basically sneaking him into the back of the hospital to get cancer treatments because they didn't want uh, Bobby Elliott. Was yeah. he defensive coach? Yeah. Coach he, Elliott was awesome. He had cancer. Yeah. And everyone knew that. And so all this attention is on Bobby Elliott's cancer treatment. But but Coach Fry says they were basically taking him in the back door at the university hospitals, giving him cancer treatments. Did you guys know? Um, I Honestly, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we did. Do you remember what it was like when Hayden like told you guys that he was going to be done? Yeah, he was. I, it was. It was tough for everybody, right? Like in the locker room or at the football facility, or was it after that Minnesota loss, or did you know beforehand? I don't. I, don't, I think we knew beforehand. I don't. I don't really know, <clears throat> frankly. I, again, I, I have some foggy, <clears throat> foggy memories, but. Yeah, I, I remember it was it was tough for him. Yeah, of course. But it was tough for all of us too, because again, we're we're family, right? Yeah. I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned Coach Elliott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But mm-hmm. again, to talk about the family mentality, his wife, mm-hmm. Joey. She still like occasionally will. Does she live in Iowa City still? Um, I don't know if she's back in Iowa City or not. Um, but you know, like I'm not a big social media guy, but I'm I am on Facebook, and occasionally, you know, you'll see some comments or you'll um, like we post a new family picture or whatever, and yeah, somebody will comment on it. Joey Elliott. That's awesome. She is just salt of the earth. Was she D coordinator when you were linebacker? Yep. yep. Yeah. But again, like it wasn't just, it wasn't just the coaches that like they cared about you personally. It was their wives, mm-hmm. um, their families. Cheryl Aiken, I, I don't know if you remember that Ronnie. Coach Aiken. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. His wife was was again salt of the earth, um, super awesome, cool. One thing Hayden had was a lot of guys who were with him basically his whole career. I mean, you think of Bill Brazier. Yeah. Was he still coaching when no, you were there? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Um, but I've Don Patterson was with stories. him for a long yeah. time. <clears throat> Donnie P was still there when I was there. We did an interview with him. Coach uh, Jackson. Carl Jackson, who was back for a while. Yeah. Under Ferentz. Yeah. 
I love that. And I think Iowa people love that. I think that's a source of pride for us. Like this isn't some fly-by-night hired gun football program. This is a group of people that are loyal to each other, loyal to the program, loyal to the state. Um, I, even Quinn Early, I just interviewed him the other day. And he lives out in California now. He's a stunt man. But I mean, when Hawkeye fans, Scott Slutsker is another one. He was yep. tied in for a while. Um, when these fans hear that these guys are still pulling for the Hawks, Slutsker said, I don't miss a game. Like in terms of watching it on TV, yep. he's out in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Iowa people appreciate that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like it's like you go anywhere. I, I travel some for work and you know, go down to Arizona, there's a Hawkeye bar. Mm-hmm. Go to Denver, there's a Hawkeye bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's Hawkeye bars everywhere in um there's Hawkeye fans everywhere. Totally. I think what's also cool is even you, you said you were at the Penn State game and you almost lost your voice because it was nuts. Oh, like you're so awesome. What I always wonder and one of the questions I was gonna ask you is like kind of what's it like being a 20-year-old kid and having like 50-year-old guys? It, it, I'm, I'm 46 this week, okay? And it's kind of like I've kind of chilled out a little bit. I've, I've grown up. I've got some perspective. But there are 60-year-old guys who still haven't got perspective. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at them on social media after this Purdue loss. I know. I mean, they're like suicidal almost. And they want to just burn the place down. It's like, first of all, you're 60. Like, grow up. <laughs> These guys are 20. 20 years old. Uh, but I mean, what's that like on the other side of it? And what's it like um, growing older yourself, still being a fan? Yeah. yeah. What does being on the inside do at the beginning shape inside you as you. Well, I guess what I will say is you're right. There's some fans that are just. I mean, the fan is short for fanatic, right? <laughs> yeah. There's some people that are just super fanatical. I mean, I, I'm like 20 years out and I'll still occasionally get some little envelope in the mail with a picture of myself. Hey, can you sign this for my collection or whatever? It's like <laughs> from from a, a grown adult. Um, so, are those you know, worth I, any money? Uh, probably not. I mean, <laughs> I, I love I love the fans and I love the f- fanatical nature of. It sounds some like you of the were fans. yelling at the Penn State game. I was, I was, I almost lost my voice. I'm surprised <laughs> I can talk the next day. But at the same time, it does give you being on that other side gives me a little perspective. Yeah, and I guess maybe I have even more perspective because I'm a father now and yeah. I've got kids in sporting events. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I I know they're probably most of the time well intentioned, but some parents nowadays, yeah, at kids' sporting events, it's, it's like if if something quote unquote bad happens for their kid, it's like the end of the world. Yeah, like sometimes people just can't put stuff into perspective. I'm probably more so. I'm probably too far the other way. Like, you know, some some parents care too much. You don't care enough. I sometimes I almost feel like in in, in maybe this is self imposed uh, the way I feel. Sometimes I almost feel like I don't care enough because I don't I don't want to be that person the that's, same that's over the top. So I'm coaching basketball. My son plays for me, and last year, which was my first year head coaching. Um, and I mean, I had a lot to learn. I still do. But I think Mason got screwed because his dad was the coach. You know, some dads would be like, I'm going to use this as a position, yeah. as a platform to give yeah. my son all these perks. He, it was almost like he had to prove it to me 
twice as yeah. much yeah. for me to be able to. And and I think it's kind of like, <clears throat> again, to reference that Butker interview, one thing that was interesting in Ike's journey is they didn't scheme or plan that at all. You, you've got parents of fourth graders right now. I know. Who are like, my kid's going to play in the major leagues. I know. And so he's going to be on this travel team and we're going to buy these cleats and he's going to do this and we're going to put together these highlight videos. It's embarrassing. And I think it burns kids out. It does. And, and that, that is that is my biggest point is I didn't, I didn't play football at all until seventh grade. Wow. Like we didn't have flag. We didn't have this little pop Warner where, you know, you're playing tackle football in first grade, third grade or whatever. Yeah. I didn't play football until seventh grade. We didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. So I kind of look at it and I mean, frankly, I I did have a a tryout with Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't, didn't make a team, but honestly, I think part of the reason I didn't, and I hate to say this looking back is I was just so burned out by that point that, and I was already married. I got married before my senior year of football, Mm -hmm. kind of wanted to just move on. I mean, looking again, looking back, it's like, man, if you just pushed a little harder, maybe you get in the league for three, four years, Mm -hmm. two years, whatever. Um, And I do miss football now, but at the time it was like, man, I'm burned out. So I can't imagine these kids that are starting tackle football at third grade. It's like, and their dad is like breathing down. Yeah. 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 It's like, be a dad, dude. Yeah. Like you're not his agent. This isn't the NFL. Like, come on. So it's kind of a balance because my, my old, he's an eighth grader now um so last year was the first year as a seventh grader i let him play tackle football Mm -hmm. and it was the year of covid so they didn't even really they kind of had a season kind of played they played one game against pete like they had goofy practices so Mm -hmm. i kind of feel bad i'm like man maybe i should let him play in sixth grade or fifth grade just to kind of that stuff all plays out the way it does it it will and you know he he still kind of try this year was his real really first year of i mean last year he played tackle football but again it was kind of a messed up year Mm -hmm. this was his first year of playing and he was the starting b team quarterback Mm -hmm. like he that was me starting b team he didn't he didn't he didn't play quarterback really he didn't play quarterback last year Mm -hmm. um so he wants to play linebacker right of course like his like like his dad he wanted to play running back and linebacker like his dad so that's what he did last year um but i think he's kind of trying to find himself this year we kind of talked a little bit going into the season i said you know you got a pretty good little arm you're smart Mm -hmm. you understand the game um so he tried out for quarterback got the starting job on the b team Mm -hmm. uh played pretty well Mm -hmm. um and here's the thing you talked about a little bit earlier uh, about the kid who maybe doesn't physically have you know the the skill the development he's not developed Mm -hmm. uh, but they work really hard on the skill part Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of where he's going to be is I mean, he, when I was in eighth grade, I was about the same height as I am now, maybe six foot, six one, Mm -hmm. 195 as an eighth grader. He's probably five, six, 115. Mm -hmm. Um, So he hasn't hit, right? He hasn't hit the spurt yet. Right. It's funny. Last year he ran track and the first day of practice, he comes home and my wife's kind of asking questions. She said, you know, who's, who's fast? You know, who are the, who are the fast boys? <laughs> he didn't even miss a beat. It, it was hilarious. Who are the fast boys? The puberty boys. <laughs> the puberty so boys. He's even got a name for it. Uh, That's right. I, I think, I think, you know, 
one thing that parents need to keep in perspective is number one, when the kids are young, you cannot push them too hard yeah. or you will burn them out. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's inevitable Yep. because there's a lot coming at kids nowadays, oh, like yeah. too much yep. in my opinion. <clears throat> so, um, you know, work. If you're a parent that that cares, and I think most parents do, uh, you got to keep things in perspective. And if it's one of those deals where you want your kid to be, you know, you mentioned professional baseball player or whatever, yeah, go play catch with them. You know, they don't have to be in three different. And we're and my wife and I are guilty too. You know, our, our one daughter's in three different basketball uh, uh-huh. teams, but you know what? She absolutely loves it. If if the kid's driving it, yeah. that's one thing. If the parents are like forcing, yeah, them to yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. Um, going back to your time at Iowa uh, with Coach Fry, um, what's a memory you have? What's a game that you look back on fondly? Like you said, you guys won seven games your first three years. But, I mean, is there a moment? That that Penn State game, which we're going to talk about that in a second, that doesn't count because I'm going to bring that up separately. That was after Ferris was here. But um, I'm trying to think of, of – uh, so or, or just or even moments pregame on the bus on you know, flying so, wherever. So way way back, um, and we didn't win this game, but it was the first game I ever started as a as a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. Matt Hughes was the the other linebacker. I was middle linebacker. Matt Hughes played on the other side of me. Um, was against Indiana there. Randall L was quarterback. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Antoine Randall L. And you so, guys, did you, one of you guys spy him? Uh, not really, but, so that was my first game ever starting, which throw your, throw, throw me right to the fire, right? But I, the one thing I will, re, will say I remember about that week in preparation, mm-hmm. going back to Coach Elliott. I mean, I'm a redshirt, redshirt friend. I'm a freshman about to start my first game. And he did not ease up on me in practice. Like they ran that kind of sprint option a lot of times. Yeah. The fullback comes out, out and throws at your knees, like yep. cut blocks you. Yep. All during practice, the whole week, that fullback on the scout team cut was, was cut blocking me all week. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, it, it kind of sucked at the time. But again, that's what better way to get ready, you gotta get ready. than to do what you're going to see yeah. in the game. Uh, so that's maybe one of the memories. I also, you mentioned bus rides and stuff. This was the worst. I think I was a redshirt freshman at this time too. At Illinois, we played, and it was it was a pr- it was a pretty hot day, but not super hot. And I I was not I had teammates that cramped like you know they would cramp like every other game. Like mm-hmm. I never really got cramps. Uh, I didn't have problems with my hamstrings, but for whatever reason that day. I was getting cramps, and um, I think some other guys too. I think Jared DeVries had to get IVs at halftime or something. So it was probably pretty hot, but it wasn't like crazy hot, I don't think. But anyway, I started getting cramps towards the end of the game, and we had what a five-hour drive home. On the oh, bus. geez, on this bad boy right here. Oh my gosh, I was like, <laughs> I now well, I shouldn't say this because I don't know how women feel in labor, but I mean they have like. <laughs> Contractions in their gut. I was getting body cramps everywhere. My fingers were cramping. My forearms were. My, my neck was cramped. It was the craziest thing. Um, and we had a freaking five-hour drive home. Um, I just remember getting home. I literally think I drank like five gallons of water that day, and it was the most. It was probably the worst experience of. Did you guys win that game? I don't think we did. I, I can't remember. Um, do you remember 
were flying? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, like to the bowl games and stuff in particular. Mm-hmm. Flying out, flying out to Penn State. Yeah, they had. I think they had a pretty short runway to land those big planes. So mm-hmm. you come into State College and they throw, throw the, the thrusters on on up on, on reverse. Yeah, that. But you did mention that game. That's probably one of my best memories of of college. Yeah. So I that game. I want to mention that specifically because I rode with your parents. Yes. To the game, which is crazy. Which, which summer? I'm older than summer by probably three or four years. Yeah. And so she knew. I mean, people who know me know I'm this huge hockey fan. Oh, Reister might be going out to Penn State. So somehow I got uh, contacted by somebody who's like, hey, are you going to Penn State? Yeah, actually we are. Is there any way that you could ride with RJ's parents? It's like, yeah, great. I don't remember if we rode in their van or if they rode in our van. But it was your mom and your dad, me, my dad. There were seven people in the minivan. And we're all like big people. And so, I mean, it's just packed in there. That game was... Ferentz's first road win in the Big Ten. I think so. 2001? 2000. 2000. I think 2000. It was 2000. It was 2000. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> Now, I, I've this is literally true. I, I did not see this Playboy. I don't didn't see Playboys, but Ryan Hansen, who was a D back, right? Yeah. Yep. With you guys. He was voted in the Playboy collegiate was it, was issue. It, was it Playboy or was it some other magazine? I swear it was Playboy. Okay. Yeah, I were you talking about like the handsomest or no? He was he was like the sexiest man in college football. There were all these awards. It was yeah. this college football. Edition. I do re- I do remember that. And I never saw the magazine. I never even saw the article. But I saw something that listed out like all these different titles. And somehow Ryan Hansen from Iowa, which at that time we just came off a of one in eleven or one in twelve season. Like why is Iowa even in this thing? Is the sexiest man in college yeah. football? And that game went to overtime, right? Double overtime. Double overtime. Yep. And it ended with Ryan Hansen yep. picking the ball off. Right behind me. Right behind it, you. It was pretty awesome. And and I just remember in the postgame press conference, they asked Ferentz, so what do you think about Ryan Hansen? He says, boy, is he sexy. <laughs> Which, I mean, for Kirk Ferentz, that's like, that's like very oh. powerful. But t- talk about that game. It, it, it was awesome. I mean, State College is a ways out there, right? Um, stadium's pretty awesome. It's got the steel exterior. Mm-hmm. Uh, like steel I-beam exterior. Huge. What does it hold? Like 100,000 people or something? Yeah. I don't know at that time but now it was, it was probably even back then I think it was close to 100,000 so what 30,000 more than than Kinnick Stadium right huge and it was a whiteout that game I don't know if you remember I that. don't remember that it was a whiteout so everybody's dressed in white super loud and they had that that lion yeah that after every first down oh my gosh so annoying um but i i will not forget we so liddell betts was my recruiting class and is back on the staff now they're at iowa which is awesome um i remember he got like a pitch or something to to score uh in overtime and then so defense is back on the field and uh i think the ball got tipped up and ryan Hanson, who's played safety behind me, uh, picked it off, and it 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 was awesome. Um, it was right in front of where the Iowa fans were sitting. It was so we were awesome. down low, was, right on that end of the field. It was so awesome. Um, 
and I mean double overtime. So I mean we we had to fight to win that game. Yep. Uh, but to win it on the road, night game, white out at State College, it was it was pretty awesome. Do you remember anything afterwards uh, in the locker room coming home? Any Ferentz? What? Co- yeah, Coach Ferentz was pretty uh, pretty emotional. As Did he cry? <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. probably shed a tear or two. I love it. Um, but we used to so under under Fry we used to do the hokey pokey right um, after after big wins in particular Quinn Early was talking about that I, I think we actually if I remember correctly I think we actually did the hokey pokey uh, in the under Ferrance in the locker room under Ferrance yeah it was it was pretty sweet that's like getting a big monkey off his back I mean your first Big Ten road win yeah he was from Pennsylvania yep right yep. so I, that game always meant something yep. to him. <laughs> Uh, and I remember driving home on I-80. We drove home overnight. That doesn't surprise me. My parents did that a lot you know, through the night because I grew up – I mean, it's probably a six-hour drive to Iowa City from where, where I grew up and they would every- – I remember I was driving and your dad was riding the shotgun. I'd never met your parents until this trip. We got along great. Um, but your dad would kind of doze off in the passenger seat. I'm driving and I mean, everyone's dead tired. Oh, yeah. We spent all this energy. We're so excited. We're outside. All the adrenaline's wearing off. And everyone else is sleeping. Your dad's dozing off. I'm trying to stay awake on I-80. And then he would just, once in a while, he'd just wake up. And then I don't know that he woke up. And he just hits the dashboard. He's like, oh, that game was so awesome. It's like, hey, I'm back awake now. (laughs) That was a fun, fun trip. Um, So let's see here. Um, in terms of transition, I mean, between, like I said, you're in a unique spot. You and you and some players. You played under Hayden. You're recruited by Hayden. You played for Kirk. Um, was there like a night and day difference? Did it kind of seamlessly roll over? Some of Hayden's guys stuck around with Kirk. A little bit, maybe, or there was there was a couple like Coach Bielma was yep. was one that stuck around um, as my as my position coach at, at linebacker. Um, I wouldn't say there's night and day difference. I will say, kind of talked about a little bit earlier. Coach Fry was a, a players' coach in in the fact that he he expected a lot out of his assistant coaches, who expected a lot out of the players, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Coach Ferentz expected a lot out of his assistant coaches too, but he also expected a lot out of each individual player. Interacted directly with players. Yeah, and Coach Fry did too, but I I think it was more of an expectation thing. Like... Coach, coach Ferentz was the players' coach in, in in the fact that he, again, he. I don't think he ever really went off on too many players in practice. He went off on the coaches, and he would do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a good way, in a, in a constructive way. Coach Ferentz, I think, maybe it's because he was younger at the time, was a little bit more involved with, like he would, he would kind of. Nah, I don't want to say call out because that sounds bad, but I think the expectation was he just placed more onus on the individual players. Like mm-hmm. you guys have to step up and take responsibility for this. Mm-hmm. And part of it was probably. I mean, he was coming into a situation where we didn't win a lot of games, right? So mm-hmm. he's like, "I got to figure this out. We got to, we got to turn these guys around." And mm-hmm. uh, every everyone has to 
pick it up and be responsible for themselves on this team. Mm-hmm. I think it was the discipline, and I don't say discipline as in, you know, making guys run and stuff. It was is more of an expectation mm-hmm. down to the individual mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. It, it was just, it, and again, I think part of it was Coach Fry was kind of on the end of his mm-hmm. his career when I was there. Um, Coach Coach Ference was coming in, and I think he realized, hey. We got to increase the overall discipline on this team if we're mm-hmm. going to have a shot. In uh, in the weight staff had you mm-hmm. know the weight strength and conditioning staff had a lot to do with that. Um, what when do you think was the last time you had an interaction with Coach Fry? Would it have been when you played or later on? No, no. So I went to some stuff, um, and he always remembered you. And like, oh yeah, that's the other thing about both Fry and Ference. Really, I swear those guys don't forget names. Even Ferris. I've heard that from others. That's crazy. Fry do that. Fry just like he knew and he knew like your if he met your aunt, like he remembered her name. It was crazy. Uh even when he I mean, even when he was older. Um and Ferris I think is the same way. He just he remembers things about people which is I don't know how they do it because I mean my wife tells me to do something at the beginning of the day and half the time I forget about it by the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but though, yeah, they have, they have like an uncanny ability to remember names and mm-hmm. remember times and events, mm-hmm. uh, which probably, I mean, that helps in the recruiting process too. Do you, do you think yourself, I mean, obviously you think that you're fortunate, but, but do you feel like you grasp, I got to play for Hayden Fry. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that's a big deal. I, again, I, <laughs> I wish I would have had one more year at Iowa because the next year after I was there, they won the Big Ten. Went to the Orange Bowl. Went to the Orange Bowl. Um, So I'd have a Big Ten championship ring, which would be awesome. But I I wouldn't trade my time because I I did have that experience under Fry. Um, Got to play for Ferret. So I've, I've, I mean, I've literally played for two legendary coaches. That's incredible. Um, If you went to any other college football team in the country and you said, hey, I'm going to give you two coaches. Or what would you take in in forty three year period? Would you take just having two coaches? Everyone would sign up for that in a heartbeat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even some of the bigger schools that are more successful, yeah, um, quote unquote, more successful, have had how many coaches over that period? A lot. Mm-hmm. So just that stability. There's something to be said about that, and it's pretty awesome that I was part of that. What have I liked to had some more success while I was there? Yeah, but I mean, we ended on a good note, winning the Alamo Bowl against Texas Tech. Kading, field goal, Kading, right? That field goal against Cliff we, Kingsbury. We were down there for that. I just saw Cliff Kingsbury. He's, he's coaching somewhere. Is he the coach at? Is he the coach at? Is he down at the Cardinals? He was for a while. I I'm know. not sure. Uh, he made it in the NFL. I mean, he's been coaching for a while yeah. now. That's awesome. <clears throat> we were down there for that too, and that was just a. I mean, it was the Alamo Bowl, which is not the Orange Bowl, it's not the Rose Bowl, but be, given what we've been through, yeah, it was so the awesome. last four years. I mean, that was awesome. It was, it was a good way to end your college career. Yeah, and then it kind of catapulted the team into some some good years after. That. I mean, really, since then, look at Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the last twenty years, it's been incredible. Um, what is playing Iowa football? Under Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz, done for you, just in your life now. I mean, it's a good foundation, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I it does see that it doesn't hurt to it be that's a, paid off. It doesn't hurt to be a former Hawkeye football player mm-hmm. living in the state of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Do people recognize you? Uh, sometimes. Maybe the fanatics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of, I, 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 like I said, I started my first games as a freshman, didn't start any games as a sophomore, kind of split time mm-hmm. starting my junior and senior year uh, with Mike Dolezal, who was a, mm-hmm. a linebacker in my recruiting class. Um, so, you know, I mean, I was one of those guys I contributed, but I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't a Chad Greenway by any means. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's cool to still live here and, you know, like I'm able to go down to the Penn State game a couple weeks ago, uh, yeah. take my son down, having that connection, you know, if I really wanted to, I could probably call LaVar and say, hey, can I get into tour the facilities to show my son? Right, right. Um, so, I mean, that's cool to have that connection still. And that's the other kind of cool thing is, I mean, I played under Ference 20 years ago. He's still there. Like, that's cool. I still have that connection, uh, which is pretty awesome. And now he's bringing on guys that I played with, LeVar Woods, Liddell Betts. Um, you yes. gonna go coach for him? No, I don't. I don't have any interest to go coach. <laughs> um, I do need to get my coaching certificate certificate though, so I can volunteer coach for my son's yeah. uh, football. Because right now, if you don't have that certification, you can't. Right. You can't even volunteer. I mean, you know that. Yeah. Have fun with that class. Most of it is taping ankles and legs and knees. And well, I think they, I think I've heard you can do it online. I now. did mine online, okay. and I had to do all those tapings on video and submit them. Oh, it's a huge huge pain but I understand well, I've had my ankles taped enough that I could, pro- I could probably actually do it I, I think I've probably seen it enough times I could probably still do that's it that's good before we sign off you're doing something else here and I wondered if Iowa football set you up for um, your I, when I was driving the bus over here I saw these signs that said R.J. Meyer on them they're red white and blue you're running for the Cedar Falls school board I am yes and um, <clears throat> did you ever at any point think about making in black and gold you know actually it kind of <laughs> it kind of did cross my mind um because it's it's cheaper to just do two colors than three yeah it is, <laughs> it is. so it did cross my mind a little bit but uh you know there's obviously there's a lot of other types of fans in this area <laughs> you know what's interesting so, is at shields in cedar falls so this is where the University of Northern Iowa is. Yeah. God bless you and I. I graduated from there. Go Panthers. But, I mean, there's sales figures of Hawkeye stuff versus Iowa State stuff versus UNI stuff in Cedar Falls. I know. Is ridiculously in favor of Iowa. I think you were smart for not going black and gold. So... Why are you running for school board? It sounds like something that sounds like a big headache, a lot of work. You well, got plenty going on. I I have always said I will never run for any political office. And I'm holding true to that, frankly, because school board is not political. It's, it's not, nonpartisan. Not, it's not su- su- supposed to be political. Um, you know, I think, I think as with a lot of things in life right now, it's gotten political a little bit. Um, so, frankly, the biggest thing for me is I've got four kids in the school district. I've mm-hmm. got tons of friends with kids in the school district. Um, the past the past year and a half, 20-whatever months now, with, with COVID in particular, I will say I think the... I think the current board and administration, they did do a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
our kids were in school when other cities were not in school. Yeah, they had to wear a mask. But, you know, frankly, at the time, there was a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. We didn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. how how this was going to affect people. But for me... It's been long enough now, and we have some good data. Mm -hmm. And recently, and this isn't the only reason I ran, but recently our kids were went to school this year, didn't have masks. Then they put masks on them for like a week, and it just got me thinking. A lot of people reached out to my wife, who uh, who's from Cedar Falls. She graduated from Cedar Falls High School, and. A lot of people people reached out to her and said, "Hey, I think you'd be a really good candidate." Summer, summer would, yeah. And so we, we kind of had some conversations. I don't. I think she would do a great job. Don't get me wrong, but it is one of those positions where you're probably going to have, especially in today's environment, you're going to get hammered. You're going to have people coming at you. Um, so we kind of had a conversation, and she said, "Hey, you know, we've got four kids in the school district. Um, I think it would be." maybe beneficial for for us to have somebody like you mm-hmm. um, and, and we were really torn because it is a it's a commitment you know it's something you gotta you gotta put a lot of time into and we, we got four young kids I travel for work a fair amount mm-hmm. um, so it's a commitment for sure but frankly it's just I have four kids I want to be more involved with decisions that affect them and yep. I think if if there and I don't want to say there's been a positive that's come of the last 20 months, but maybe if there's one, it's the fact that I think parents are starting to get more involved. That's great. They're starting to ask more questions. They're starting to pay attention a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, that's kind of the situation I was in. I, I, I want to be more involved now. I want to have, you know, kind of a a say in what my kids are being exposed to um, and you know how how the district is kind of uh, listening to families that's the other thing uh, again the current the current board I think probably did the best they could over the last year and a half uh, but some of the feedback I had gotten was hey you know wish wish somebody would return an email or you know pick up the phone and give me a mm-hmm. call so we could talk through some stuff so that's kind of that's kind of the reason um, Pretty much, it's just I've got four kids and I want the best for them. So, how's the campaign going? We'll find out November second. I think it's going well. Um, I've I've learned a lot. Uh, I've reached out to some probably mutual friends. I know you know Walt Rogers. I've, I've mm-hmm. reached out to him to to kind of get his take on some stuff because he's got a pretty good handle on things. Yep. Since he was the chair of the the education board when he was a legislator, mm-hmm. le- legislator. Um, so I'm learning a lot. I've got a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. But I I'm I'm excited about the opportunity because I think I think there could be a. Uh, I could I, I could be maybe a little bit different voice than mm-hmm. than most of the people that are currently on that board. My wife and I lived in a house. I did college ministry in the early two thousands. We lived in a house on Main Street, and there was an apartment upstairs, and different people lived in that. College kids, usually, as a couple of girls, because my wife was at home with our kids, and she could kind of mentor them, and they were part of our ministry, and so. But there were a couple of girls that lived there that played basketball, you and I. And my wife led a Bible study with the basketball team during that time. And one thing that we noticed is that these student athletes are forced 
just by the nature of their schedule, to be more responsible, to be more disciplined, to grow up quicker. Yeah. It's like some of these college kids just never grew up. And what I'm getting at with this is like... I, you might not see a connection between playing football at Iowa and being a good school board member, but there are just intangible things that you were forced to learn about how you should operate in the world just to be a student athlete Yeah, that, that have come with you into your career. You've had a successful career um, and you've been a good dad and not saying every student athlete checks all those boxes, no, but, but it, it's very easy for me to see how playing at Iowa, especially in an environment like you described under Fry and Ferris, a family environment with a decent set of values and that, that stuff all continues to impact your life. I live in Hudson. I can't vote in the election, but if I did, obviously I'd vote for you and you're running with another guy named Lowell Stutzman. Yeah. Kind of a slate. And so wish you guys the best. Anything else you want to say about that? No. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think just if I had one message, whether you vote for me or Lowell, another dad with four young kids in the district, um, similar to me, we have similar values. Whether you vote for me or him or whomever, go out and vote. That's that's the big thing. These local elections really need people to go out and vote because they can affect change more quickly and and, and better than the national elections even. So and get there's, out and vote. There's multiple seats open, so somebody could vote for you and Lowell. Correct. And uh, that'd be great. Absolutely. Wish you the best. Well, R.J. Meyer, number 30 in our programs, <laughs> number one in our hearts, number one on our ballots. Uh, thanks so much for your time. And I know that Hawkeye Nation will enjoy this interview and just the insights that you share as one of the insiders. So go Hawks, right? Go Hawks. Thanks for having me. about 30 minutes ago. Shake her hand, say thank you, and ride off into the sunset find find an old mule. You've been riding along on the Fry Bus. It's time to get off. Be sure to like and subscribe and tell all your friends about our podcast. We even let Zycone fans listen. Also, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and HaydenFryBus.com. Fry Bus might be at the next big game, so come visit us during tailgating, special events, and keep up with all the latest Frybus news. This has been a production of the Frybus. Copyright 2021. All rates reserved. Go Hawks!